0: Welcome, everyone, to the Pop Culture Podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hiya, Pete.
1: Do I talk first, or you talk first? I talk first, right? (laughs) Matt, having seen Star Wars The Force Awakens, as we have myself three times, yourself two times, we are here today in full spoiler glory, in my element, to discuss, to chew over, uh, the largest ever domestic uh, opening weekend film of all time.
0: Indeed, Pete. Worth mentioning that uh, if you're looking for spoiler-free, that's farther on down the list at uh, FantasticGeek.com and the Pop Culture Podcast feed. F- the spoilers are set to full. We've taken off the spoiler compressor, routed around it, and uh, spoilers <laughs> are a go.
1: And let me just say, and we talked about it because I had seen it when we had previewed this film, but with each passing viewing, it just gets better and better. And we're going to address some of the criticisms uh, of this film, certainly. But uh, they nailed it. Um, Some of the tweets coming out of... uh, you know the original uh, premiere in California with the celebrities, and uh, you know. Uh, and you. I I was not uh, allowed to tweet, Matt. I had signed the memorandum. But um, I'm, just,
0: I'm just saying, I want to I want to appreciate the fact that you consider yourself still a man of the people and not not a celebutant.
1: I'm not. I'm not. I'm just spoiler Pete, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the general feeling, but um they they did it they really did you think of all the pressure that was riding on this critically commercially that they were successful in both and as you put it this is this is all the quadrants here it is and
0: uh some of the some of the data coming out of it in addition to the box office data something like a 96 uh percent rating on the such and such scale how they you know how, how they uh Measure audience feedback through uh, through uh, sampling and whatnot. An A plus uh, from all women goers, uh, w- women movie goers, <laughs> women goers. Uh, A plus from the female portion of the audience, which uh, obviously it doesn't get any better than that. So, uh, given that there are these long term uh, hopes for the mi- for the movie, given that uh, Disney feels that uh, by the end of this calendar year. Uh, what started out as about a 60%, 65% uh, male audience, it should be 50-50 at the end. Uh, but Pete, let's talk about uh, let's talk about those galactic credits. Let's talk about Box Office overall. Uh, Pete, as it stands right now, BoxOfficeMojo.com gives the uh, weekend actuals uh domestically for Star Wars the Force Awakens at 247.9 million dollars almost obviously 248 million dollars
1: yes and spoiler Pete is just going to direct you to our preview file where you will hear me call 247 yeah it's the burden of being right all the time Matt
0: wow it it, it certainly is a uh, couple of um couple of stats here Um, I mean, it's number one and fastest. 100 million, 150 million, 200 million. Going to be fastest to 250 tonight. (laughs) That's that's very very true. Uh, did another 281 million dollars foreign total worldwide is uh, 528. Now it has yet to open in China, so there's obviously the,
1: the asterisk on the world opening. Uh, it is not the largest ever world opening, but they didn't have every market going at once the way that Jurassic World did. So tomato, tomato, it's still an enormous success. You've already had the, uh, the classy Jurassic uh, World reach out, uh, crowning uh, BB-8 in the, uh, in the trades there as the, uh, the new box office champ and what a way to kick off all these stories now we're going to have Rogue One a Star Wars story next Christmas we're going to get the sequel to this movie thank god Matt in 18 months because i don't think any of us would be able to wait 3 years from now
0: indeed uh certainly a ton of fun i know we're going to we're going to get into uh some of the particulars uh momentarily but uh I mean, this th- this Star Wars machine has now roared to life, at least on the, uh, you know, on the uh, on the movie screen end. I know, uh, you know, uh, on the TV end, Rebels has been on for a couple seasons now, and there have been comics and books and whatnot. But uh, less than a year away from the next Star Wars movie, and uh, it's uh, it's it's a great time to be alive, Pete.
1: And the way that. Their plan, obviously, has worked out perfectly. Ordinarily, you're going to have this big weekend. You know, let's let's take Jurassic World, for instance. And it's, okay, we're, we're going to pat ourselves on the back. We're going to do the victory lap. We'll, we'll start having behind-the-scenes discussions. Okay, we had a date picked out three years from now. We're going to harden that. Hey, who do you want to... Uh, to write this one here's five writers who do you want to direct that here's ten directors no episode eight is already written they have already filmed scenes on it at Skellig Michael, which is where the, uh, the film leaves off with the discovery of, of Luke Skywalker. And they film principally beginning next month in January of 2016 for a May of 2017 release. So that's the truly exciting thing, on top of the fact that this spinoff movie Is well into principal photography. And the Jurassic World director is doing episode nine and is, you know, feeding right off of the work Ryan Johnson's doing with episode eight. So this thing's a juggernaut. And now with the Han Solo stuff, you know, out there in this film, and and that the other spinoff will be uh, a Han Solo movie what they can do there, uh, given the largest ever casting call in Hollywood history for the, the throwback version of that character and how big that potentially can be riding the wave of emotion off of this movie.
0: By the way, Pete, as we are podcasting, some breaking news here, and I think it's probably a result of some of those foreign numbers still flowing in. Uh, worldwide opening weekend for Jurassic World, $524.9 million. As it stands right now, opening uh, worldwide weekend for The Force Awakens, 529 It, your number one. There you go. Your <clears throat> number one, and without China, no less. Without
1: China. So this will be that billion and a half monster that they're talking about. I've seen it three times. I'm going again tomorrow night. I got to catch it in IMAX yet, and and just every uh, possible way to to view this. Uh, it'll set records when it hits Blu-ray, and you know it's it's amazing. the The expectations were high, and now this will, you know, double expectations. Not I think commercially, but just. Critically for the sequel, um, I'd love to be involved in it. At the same time, you just think of the pressure that they must be feeling, <laughs> given this smash of a success.
0: Pete, from your story to the story of the uh, of the movie itself, Pete, let's let, let's take it down a notch here. Let's let's talk some of these accusations. Is this a New Hope
1: retread? It's not okay. I, I get the idea. We have a relative uh, farmer from a desert planet. We have a Death Star-esque doomsday machine. Really? Uh, They address all of this in the film. That they were out in front um, eight months ago to say, this is not Tatooine, this is Jakku this is the site of the final battle between the empire and the rebel alliance. We have the graveyard of giants, uh, with littered with, uh, machinery from both sides. That's a great visual callback to that first trilogy. And, you know, it, it's answered Matt. So many of People's criticisms with this film are answered in the universe and in this film. You know, we have our uh, Starkiller base briefing scene where they say, you know, we've already called back to the Death Star in dialogue a couple times. And they show us, here's, here's the Death Star, teeny tiny Death Star. Here's Starkiller base. They weaponized a planet. It sucks in a sun and spits it out and destroys, not a planet, it destroys entire systems. This is a far greater threat. This is the escalation that you expect with time. Okay, is it a trope? Yeah. Boy, tropes don't ever get redone in every piece of genre. So, you really can't find fault in it. Uh, All right, they went down a trench in an X-Wing for... Uh, you know, a couple seconds there to get into the, uh, to the oscillator so that Poe could blow it up again. It, you're, you're really, really simplifying it. You're looking to find fault. And I think it's worth
0: keeping in mind too, that no movie takes other people's ideas and reworks them more than the original star Wars. Uh, the influences of uh, Kurosawa and world war two movies, um, you know, check it out on YouTube. If you're not familiar with that, the, between Kurosawa films and the movie The Dam Busters, uh, th- you know, George Lucas is, is homaging heavily and barring even heavier. So, hey, now Star Wars is kind of lightly referencing itself. Uh, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's part of what the universe is built with, uh, the Star Wars universe, that is. So I have to admit it took me to the second viewing to kind of calm down a little bit about that um but you know this is what it is i mean you look through history you see similar rises and falls pete my goodness napoleon and uh hitler both attacked russia the same way uh late summer early fall got pulled all the way to moscow and uh you know the cold bit them and kicked him back out again so if you have that in the real world you could have you know weaponizing a planet when the moon-sized weapon was a good idea a generation ago
1: nobody screamed reboot then But to to get the Hitler-esque speech from General Hux there about the Republic to blow them up um, in what was not Coruscant, uh, though, again, visual callback of skyscrapers and, you know, uh, multi-culture alien, you know, porch fest going on there, Um, I think the symbolism, Matt – that they blew up the seat of democracy, that they blew up the source of so much complaint from the prequels. Let's have a scene where there's a meeting about this and debate about that. Um, it, it, It didn't need to be Coruscant. It's some other system, but they dealt with it. And now we've truly upped the stakes for the sequel in terms of, There is no Republic anymore. It is the Resistance. It is the First Empire. There is less of the Resistance. So, boom. Drop you in there. Add in the Kylo Ren, uh, you know, training with Supreme Leader Snoke. Add in what's going to happen with Rey and Luke Skywalker. Off you go. And, again, just get me to, to May of 2017 now.
0: Well, Pete, you mentioned a bunch of the characters there. Something that I was surprised about. In terms of how the story was presented, was that they started with these new characters and worked their way into the older ones. In retrospect, it makes sense. This is the story arc. Uh, by the end of these three movies, we're meant to say, "Oh, give us more Finn, Ray and Poe," and right, y- you know, we're 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 going to conclude the original three. In some cases, sooner; in some cases, later. But you know, certainly, I think somebody at, at Disney and Lucasfilm must have said, you know. These original people aren't going to be around forever, so let's let's use them now and let's wrap the story up on our terms, not on the terms of uh, you know the terms of life. Um, so, Pete, where do you want to start with the new characters?
1: Let's let's begin at the beginning. I mean, that crawl, Matt, as I told you, pulls you right in. Luke Skywalker's vanished, so he is the MacGuffin in this film. He is the Holy Grail, <laughs> but it's our new characters who know very little about him or what they know is not even correct. And we start with uh, Oscar Isaac's Poe Dameron retrieving the piece of the Skywalker map from uh, Max von Sydow, whose character is named Lor Tekka, on uh, Jakku in the village there, and, and meeting BB-8. And boom, here comes the First Order. Here comes uh, Finn, who... Uh, you know comes to the rescue of a of another stormtrooper and, and just seeing that other side seeing that other perspective the the bloody hand hit his helmet and the the ptsd or or just the 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 tsd <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know uh hitting and not firing and then kylo ren gets you with stopping the blaster bolt that later he allows to go and takes out the the moisture evaporator in the middle of the town that would have killed him which is a is a good little foreshadow for later on when uh, Chewbacca hits him after uh, after Han is killed
0: yeah it's it's certainly it's a really effective way to jump in quickly which we spend so much time talking about the various tv shows and movies that we do where you have this you have this need in the beginning of a story to hit that exposition button hard but if you do it too much then it's it comes off as you know oh doesn't everybody say i am this and you are that but you know the guy the pilot getting the getting the piece of the map that's made clear i mean i, I know it's poe but i'm just saying the first time you're seeing it okay he's a pilot he's a you know resistance pilot rebel pilot it's all kind of quickly being uh, able to be uh, categorized, um, and uh, just fantastic introduction of these characters,
1: and to get the soul of this movie, Matt is Daisy Ridley's Ray. To get her in the in the next scene, and to see without any dialogue, to to get her life that she's scavenging these old war machines to scrape by. That uh, she's getting just enough food here, uh, quarter portions, wh- whatever we want to uh, categorize it to, uh, to pull through. That she, she looks at the spaceship takeoff and then she looks at the other woman scrumming apart across from her who's easily three times her age. Is this going to be my life? There's the longing of Luke, but it's new and it's fresh. And so awesome that this movie is starred by uh, a complete unknown in a welcome addition in Daisy Ridley, who just owns this
0: movie. And uh, kudos to the, to the powers that be behind the scenes to a say, you know what? Uh, maybe it's time to have uh, to have, uh, you know the ostensibly the main hero of the story be a woman to have uh, our other two heroes uh one hispanic one one black um on the one hand they don't beat you over the head with it the flip side is uh people were beat over the head a year ago when the teaser came out or i shouldn't say people were people were some people were beating themselves over the head <laughs> with with the the thin reveal um and uh you just kind of say hey welcome to the 21st century welcome to welcome to this uh this new world that we're living in and um that carries throughout you know the little story bits in the first in the first third of the film where you know ray is clearly the self-saving princess except not even a princess you know she's just she doesn't need her hand held she doesn't need her protector to come and uh it's all kind of you know, there is no, you know, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's I'm a help myself, Obi-Wan Kenobi.
1: Yeah. It's just this plucky, lovable heroine and you you can't help, but she's luminous on the screen. You can't help, but watch her, uh, her enthusiasm, her, her tinkering, you know, we're we're left with questions in this film as, as where she comes from and, you know, it, it can't all be revealed in, in the first chapter. Um, those parts, though, Matt, you know, Isaacs, Boyega, and Ridley were all cast race um, independent. Um, they are, at least here, they're telling us they were not the ones that they needed to. Obviously, when they were casting Kylo Ren, they needed to find somebody that had uh, ostensibly the looks of a Harrison Ford Um, The the dark features and and even more dark potential personality of a Hayden Christensen, a Darth Vader, that kind of lineage. So, you know, they did a fantastic job in getting him. I, I had a feeling very early on when he was cast, you know, you look at pictures of him and facially he looks like a taller, young Harrison Ford. So... Really not a surprise to find that in in the scope of the production, but a guy that gets four scenes with the helmet off and rocks every single one of them. Oh, he
0: is. He is fantastic. He's amazing. I was shocked beyond shocked. To learn that he is from California, I thought they've they, they've got some guy. Is that is that maybe part Irish? There does he have some maybe North African lineage in him? What is the, is he maybe Eastern European? To find out, he's just a dude from California, and that that is that is a, a, you know an accent that that I'm sure more than than he just worked on, but it just adds such a such an extra bit of i don't know something to the character and then you start to backtrack and go oh of course he needs a great accent because we don't see his face for for such great portions of the movie he's essentially a voice actor in his own body for he did
1: he did the majority in the suit uh because they needed his height um you know the the thing that was said about the stunts for kylo ren and particularly the uh, lightsaber uh, work was that they wanted to be these rougher lightsaber duels. And they definitely are. And it's a return back to these duels of Empire and Jedi um you know he's twirling a sword around but you can teach somebody to do that and ridley trained extensively i mean they they did have stunt doubles obviously for these people but it's it's the affectations i find myself going back to particularly with kylo ren you know he destroys a panel on that star destroyer and you have to imagine somewhere like you know a force field went up to prevent an entire floor from losing oxygen as a result of that and then he turns his head to the side and says to the you know, uh, Imperial officer, the First Order officer, anything else? <laughs> and then, you know, just the, the way he says, the distance he puts into referring to his father, to his face, Han Solo, in the helmet, the modulation of the voice, the idolization of his grandfather and Darth Vader, the, the worry... The confession that he's falling victim to the light side, what a smart piece of writing
0: it's it, it, it's a phenomenal character, and I think one that one that has this almost impossible job except they make it possible, which is you have to live up somehow to one of the greatest villains in film uh and not be derivative yet the character itself is a is you know is a is a genetic uh, derivation of Darth Vader, uh, or Anakin Skywalker, depending on how you want to how you want to slice the cake. But I mean, just such a such a compelling villain. And Pete, the word you used when we first saw the film, he's so petulant, and that's something that's even more uh, obvious on second viewing. Whether he's having a tantrum, smashing up the screen. Uh, earlier on, whether he's, uh, you know, punching his wound at the end fight there. He's just a, he's just a, a a child in part because he has been without his parents in this in, in this series of trilogies that are about the the, the, the frailty of, of parenting and the frailty of the child and and lack of parenting, loss of parenting and, and so forth.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at bringing in Harrison Ford. You know, Mark Hamill has said a lot that um, he would have probably done the movie. He was the first one told that the sale to Disney was imminent and that they would be doing a sequel trilogy and that his part was needed. But he's come out and said, you know, Harrison was the linchpin and that he would probably turn it down. And not for nothing, but at 72, 73, Harrison Ford is just not getting the roles that he used to. And I think he's finally reached a place of peace with this character. It's no secret that he was not fond of it. It's not terribly deep given some of the stuff he's played. Although Indiana Jones isn't either, and he really, really likes that and wants to do another one. But the moment he was cast, you knew, okay, He's going to be in this one that he's accepted it and they're going to kill him off. And uh, it was so important for him to embrace this, to embrace it the way that he did. He is all in in this role. And I think probably the second best performance as Han Solo in the four films that he's in.
0: Well, I certainly had no idea he would be killed off from either just – Tea leaves or or Hollywood buzz um I thought it was such an interesting directorial choice from from JJ J. Abrams that as his death scene gets composed visually if you know the language of cinema you know he's going to die uh, and the icing on the cake is when is when Finn and Ray come in on that that highest uh, balcony there you know there to bear witness at the death of this uh this this great this great man this great character um the fact that they didn't pull any punches in terms of uh, you know letting letting much of the audience know that that we were in a countdown mode essentially i i just thought it was such a such a compelling and interesting choice because in a certain sense this whole trilogy is about finally letting go of these characters because as i said earlier they they're, they're going to they're going to age out of being able to do movies at a certain point. So spend this time wrapping the characters up.
1: That was all Lawrence Kasdan with that scene, Matt. It's, it's all about timing. We're going to stick you in this, you know, huge space. We're going to have this tiny little bridge across the way. Kylo Ren's going to go across it. Of course, we've got to get Han try one last time to pull his son back to the good side calls out the name we get his name for the for the only time in the in the film as as Ben and uh, you know he's again seduced by the light he takes the helmet off he says I know what I have to do but I'm afraid that I don't have the strength to do it and then what happens that Sun gets drained out and the darkness fills that area and he he gets his nerve again and it's a great, great screen death as they go. It's definitive. And let's think about the larger symbolism, Matt, of what that death is. He falls into the to the chasm. The star killer later blows up and becomes its own son. Matt, if there's not a scene in this sequel where the son in Kylo Ren is not pointed to that new star the solo star hey dad's watching you then somebody drops the ball
0: (laughs) well i suppose certainly time will tell there pete let's talk about carrie fisher's leia certainly a long road back for carrie fisher since the last time we saw her in the star wars movie
1: if there's one complaint i have with the film and it's not really a complaint it's more of a qualm um but so much has been written about this She struggled greatly by her own admission getting back into acting here. Uh, Much was made of her losing weight. um, But the performance is, I think, harder to come by. Um, So there's one scene. It's a couple scenes into her reappearance where she's struggling to emote. And she talks in a lot of these interviews about having forgotten lines and, uh, struggling with the dialogue, but the rest of it, she did a pretty good job and I'm very interested to see, you know, she's only given a couple quick lines at the end after Han's death. I'm interested to see where her character can go now. Um, I liked early on when, uh, Von Sydow's character referred to her as royalty that C-3PO screws up and still calls her princess a couple times, but she's an even bigger leader now than she's ever had to be. And, uh, you know, again, everybody gets a a chance to have a scene or, you know, to to not nail it on a performance, but she came around and, and she did give you ultimately her best effort, and I commend it. You
0: only need to look to one of her scenes to know that to know that uh, it wasn't a perfect performance. Uh, one scene that she has at the base when she's talking to to Han Solo, mid line, they they cut to a different take, which is one where the camera is positioned ever so slightly. The line comes so quickly they don't even have time to. Cut her to, to a reaction shot in fact that's the that part scene, I'm referring to as yeah.
1: well, yeah, and thankfully, Matt, it's not her first scene it's not when she comes out of the transport on uh, Takadana, which is uh, Maz Kanada's planet um that's one of her better scenes and you know if you cannot watch Han. And Leia meet again, and Chewie come over and hug her, and break the ice, and not feel something, then just you're you're not a Star Wars person. Well, Pete,
0: you mentioned Maz, uh, you know here an all digital character, um, and uh, I thought from the effects point of view, from the 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 real kind of the reality of the character, absolutely fantastic.
1: Lupita Nyong'o, you know, here's somebody that was cast in the second wave, uh, obviously a secondary if not tertiary character here um, to play this thousand-year-old watering hole running pirate that Han has a backstory with and to do the entire motion capture experience after having won Best Actress a couple years ago. Um. really, really great. I know one of the British tabloids tried to throw some cold water that she had a bigger part and didn't perform as well in the motion capture, and, and she's not in as much. I really can't see where her part would have been bigger here. I'm sure there's, there's more, and there are lines from some of the trailers that didn't make the final cut of this film, but d- does a great job of, you know, even... <laughs> one of her first lines here, Where, where's my boyfriend? Where, where's that Wookiee Chewie? You know, is, is she playing around? Is she serious? Did she know Yoda? She knows the force, uh, but she doesn't seem to be a user as far as a, a Jedi. So we're going to get her back. Um, really interested to see more with her and with a Han Solo spinoff movie. There's no doubt she'd show up in that.
0: I can't imagine where she would have uh, a significantly bigger car part that could be cut for all sorts of reasons. I mean, she runs the watering hole where they're upstairs for a little bit, then they're downstairs, and then they leave. Like, you know, I can't I I I can't imagine a poor performance led to her part being cut in half or that or that sort of thing. Um fantastic character, uh just just really um, really compelling, and as you say, Pete, plenty of room there. Star Wars loves one thing, which is leaving leaving room to tell other stories in other in other uh media, or I guess now that they 're doing the spin off movies, you know just just other movie uh, other movie styles other than the trilogies uh so certainly some room there pete
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. what what was your line you got to give your line from the other day. Um, You you mentioned about telling a story the last time uh, Han sees Maz. It's where did you get Luke's uh, lightsaber, his original lightsaber, Anakin's lightsaber that we last saw on uh, Cloud City on Bespin. And she says that's an excellent question for another time. And your line, Matt, was? I believe it was. Coming soon, the Marvel
0: Star Wars Maz lightsaber, (laughs) you know, special five. Five edition, five comic book uh, story to explain it all. Also, special reprint of C-3PO's red arm. Why?
1: <laughs> every time that uh, a question gets asked that uh, Pablo Hidalgo hires 50 people, right?
0: <laughs> yes, that's what, that's what it is. Yes, every time there's a loose story thread, they, start, they, they just hire people off the street and start going, All right, start, st- start, drawing, start drawing weird planets. <laughs> where where Maz could meet Luke Skywalker, uh, five years after uh, five years after Return of the Jedi, and go come back to me in a week.
1: And you know that this film has had this triumphant success, given what happened as they were filming it. That the first week Harrison Ford is on set, his leg gets broken by one of the doors on the Millennium Falcon. That they have to stop production. That they do rewrite during. Uh, That hiatus and then come back and have this overwhelming success. Oh, yeah. And J.J. Abrams quietly broke his back trying to lift the door off of Harrison Ford's leg Um, and and look at what they're doing now. Uh, I I can't imagine they'd be in a place where they'd be like, uh, yeah, let's do that all over again. But the results certainly show the love that they lavished on this material. And, Pete, now we go
0: to the most loving character, General Hux.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody needs to take the speech that he does prior to firing the Starkiller for the first time and put it in black and white and dub in German because it's a complete Hitler vibe. And it probably would sync up pretty well. His eyes even, where the black and white wouldn't work, his eyes even reflect the red as the weapon is firing. Uh, Hall Gleason earned a fan uh, when I saw this last week.
0: It's a rare guy where you say, you know what, you look like you'd be doing great giving the Nazi speeches in some Lainey Riefenstahl <laughs> film. You're hired <laughs> for Star Wars, buddy
1: yeah and you know you look at their whole roster on the on the dark side of of this movie he really fits the bill in the way that you know none of those british uh accented uh guys in the original trilogy aside from maybe uh somebody who has a a soft spot in my heart captain piet because of the name and and the way he survives vader Uh, But this is a guy that, that gives Kylo Ren a hard time, like, hey, let's not get personal, who at the same time has to fear this dark warrior who comes from a lineage that just killed every Imperial officer except one he ever came across.
0: Certainly, the, the organization chart that uh, that leader Snoke uses is one where, uh, where Darth Vader, or pardon me, where, where Kylo Ren does not have the same um, kind of uh, outvoting power that Darth Vader did. You know, he uh, Kylo Ren and General Huck seem to be on equal footing, which is uh, which is a nice touch.
1: Let's talk about Captain Phasma, Matt, played by Gwendolyn Christie, uh, notable of Game of Thrones. Um, You know, she was a disappointment, I think, to some people in that she didn't have a ton of screen time. There were some scenes that were cut, most notably uh, when they raid Maz's palace. She had filmed there and they did not include her in the action Keeps the helmet on the entire time. And for an actress who got her start as a model, who's now being mentioned on the short list to play Marvel's Captain Marvel when that solo film comes. This is a stepping stone and she is confirmed to return in her Boba Fett-esque role for uh, episode eight. Yeah, I think it's it's
0: a bit of a loss. Uh, the cynic might say, "Oh, now they're able to sell a bunch of uh, Captain Phasma stuff, even though the character isn't isn't that present on screen." You know what? Let's a talk at the end of uh, at the end of the trilogy, and b, you know, you didn't you didn't get a ton of screen time for Boba Fett, and he's beloved um, to the point that. Fans clamoring for more. He gets put back in the special edition. Uh doesn't get put back uh coming out of the Sarlacc pit, despite the fact that we know that, that all uh that, that all happened. But uh I guess, you know, let's as I said, you know, Pete in three, four years we'll we'll analyze it, and see what the see what the fate is there for Captain Phasma. But Pete, let's uh now move to the big guy to Snoke himself.
1: Yeah. Andy Circus was a huge get for this role again the master of of motion capture he's he's originated and uh you know i i think at some point he'll he'll get a huge honor for that to play this you know emperor-esque role um there's a lot of speculation whether he is a, a character that's appeared not appeared, Who's who's been mentioned before that he could be Darth Plagueis the Wise, that he could be um, the Emperor's original master. I, I really don't think they're retreading that here. But the appearance, Matt, he's, he's got these horrible scars across his face. I think we're going to come to find this is a guy that tangled with Luke Skywalker and barely made it out alive. And that's the biggest reason he's motivated to uh not allow Luke back into the picture
0: nice uh nice little twist there with him uh being holographic uh it certainly speaks to kind of some of the uh i mean not quite Nazi iconography but that kind of you know need for iconography that uh I think a lot of a lot of uh western cultures don't don't go for or at least don't go for as um as uh, as obviously uh pete the big question of course is this some sort of uh some sort of wizard of oz twist here is he actually going to be you know three feet tall is he actually going to be you know he doesn't look like that at all uh any any predictions the spoiler pete wants to make at this early early stage
1: i can't see that they would give him this appearance physically and not have him look that way now the size is an interesting thing and they have said that he's about seven feet tall. Um, I, I don't know if I can necessarily believe that. I don't know why you don't toy around with the expectations of that. It would be awesome if he's really tiny. Uh, it would also be awesome if he's this Titan-esque uh, thing. Um, but the, the greatest potential there was in... He's obviously known throughout this universe... And uh, Han told his son that, you know, he he will crush you when he's done with your power. So that dynamic clearly going to happen in the second film and really, really excited to see that. And I think that will be evocative of of what happened before. But at the same time, it'll be its own thing. Pete, let's talk now about uh, Chewbacca.
0: I was surprised to see him as mobile as he is. I know Peter Mayhew Definitely. Is, is, not, uh, is not somebody who even normally walks without the assistance of, uh, of his uh, special custom-made uh, lightsaber cane. Um, but I, I'm sure with some camera trickery and with some body doubles, it's all, it, it's all good there and certainly great to see the character back.
1: We have run into him a number of times on the Comic Con circuit. What a wonderful guy! And uh, to get this big role, this this is Chewie's biggest movie by far. He has the most to do in this film, um, and he'll be back for new ones to uh, Good Lord, uh, uh, willing. And um, just really, really does a wonderful job. The humor with Han and Chewie—never has there been so much humor. When the other guy says, or, you know, oh, you're cold, or, or whatever it is. Just great, great stuff. What we're able to get out of him about Han never really changing, still trying to talk his way out of things and not able to do it and screwing up with these other smugglers, yet still having the reputation that he does. Uh, and it's a guy in a hair suit making dog noises that
0: sells it. Wow, well you can't can't say much more than that. Pete, let's conclude with the last character revealed on screen that of course the character that we are told we are first looking for at the beginning of the film, Luke Skywalker.
1: I have to tell you that I've known for quite some time that he would only appear in one scene at the very end of the movie. I did not know he would not speak until I finally saw it. And I have to praise the guts of that decision. I don't know if I would have been strong enough or I could have resisted not having him talk. And he's the focus of this film, but his eyes in his what minute of screen time just communicate so much. And to be left with that helicopter shot of Ray, arm outstretched with the lightsaber and Luke having just taken off his hood the one robotic hand. I mean, we get another, we get the vision of him uh, in Ray's vision, putting his hand on R2, which, you know, I think communicates the, the rest of the map. But uh, I, I, I am stunned how down with the decision I am and how it really works. And, and I'm a Luke guy. There's a saying that you're a Luke guy or you're a Han guy. I have always been a Luke guy. And uh, it leaves you wanting more. And really, going to be interesting to catch up with him in eighteen months.
0: Yeah, I think that his performance is easily one of the best in the film, which is saying a whole lot given uh, given his his lack of screen time. But certainly, just a a phenomenal reveal there, uh, Pete. I guess that makes me a Han guy. Uh, uh, that is until yeah, I, I've I've questions the tril the original trilogy never answered about power converters. Maybe I'm, <laughs> I'm a little sore about that. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, what a a cast of characters, what a cast of actors.
1: Well, I mean, you talk about Han, let's talk about our our favorite moments. I don't know how you can watch this movie and not have the death of Han Solo be the top moment of this movie. And that's saying a lot because there's some great other scenes But, you know, we already mentioned it before, the way that it is blocked. But there's another I love you, I know moment here, Matt. He gets run through by his son. He's dying. And rather than a final word or whatever, he puts his hand on his cheek. It's such a beautiful and a telling gesture. And then the fall. And uh, it, it's my favorite scene of the movie. It's heartbreaking, but it's it's wonderfully done.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, for me, probably my favorite moment was when uh, when uh, Kylo Ren is force pulling at the, at uh, Luke's lightsaber there, and it goes past him and it goes to Ray instead. You get the full force theme. You get the full. Kind of admission by the story that this is full th- goosebumps. Yeah. Oh, it was it was electrifying. It was electrifying.
1: It it is a it is a good scene. And some people's issues with this film, from a character standpoint, stem from well, how can uh, Ray just finding out she has the Force? I mean, she just mind tricked her first stormtrooper for for crying out loud, a, a, an hour before. Um
0: <laughs> a double O no less. A, a, a double O Stormtrooper.
1: Stormtrooper, no less. It was Daniel Craig in the suit and with the dialogue. It's just that's gonna be a great Easter egg for all time. But um it's in the universe, Matt. Yoda tells us the dark side is the quicker, easier, more seductive path. And we're told that Kylo Ren's not even done with his training. So the immaturity, the fact that he has just taken a Chewbacca crossbow bolt to the side, that he is pounding repeatedly, uh, that he allows Finn to fight. He could have choked him out, that he wants to subjugate Finn, and he does. And then for Rey to jump in and to embrace her destiny here, she just lost the surrogate father in her life. In many ways, more of a father to her in the moments that she knew him than Kylo Ren. That duel is another high point. And uh, I know that these trilogy,
0: th- this trilogy, the sequel trilogy, will undoubtedly— stay away from the deep mystical exploration of the of the prequel trilogy but the prequel trilogy is legit star wars story and i just kind of read her quick uh, ascension to her skills it, it, people say "Oh, well where does she come from well it's either the daughter of luke skywalker who i have i've absolutely come around to that theory but you know or she's just you know a child she, she was somebody born with the force and why is it coming out now well there is reference in these movies to the Force as almost having its own uh, will. I mean, not that it's quite sentient, but just this notion of the Force having having tug and pull at, at the events going on in the universe.
1: Manipulating things, you yeah. know? Do, does, does R2 turn on via the Force, or does Luke wake him up? Things like that. But you know, back to a couple other moments to mention the the Han chewy humor and, and just the way they handle Han. Every scene he's in is is a is a highlight. Um love BB8. Can't believe we didn't talk about him as a as a character before, but that's because there's nobody playing him as a as a practical prop. And I, I think they've overdone a little bit of the we're shooting everything practical here. Look, this is an actual gun instead of a CGI gun. Okay, we get it. <laughs> But uh We BD actually 8- we
0: actually built a planet and then hollowed <laughs> out part of it. And and uh and then we then we, 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 we destroyed a sun.
1: NASA was a little upset, but 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 the whole uh BD8, the the childlike uh curiosity and emotion, you know, when he is sent away by Poe and Poe says, You'll be all right, I'll come back for you. And then Ray rescues him for the first time and they, they've got a little uh dialogue together. And even with with Boyega's character, with the droid pleased and the thumbs up and the and the little uh you know uh welder coming out of him and and doing that, you know love bb-8 on the level of all of these characters they knew they had to come up with this new hero droid and again just it's a it's a confluence matt it's almost like the force was guiding this movie and uh nice
0: use there as a side note of bb-8's three kind of grappling hooks now you can now you can have him go over places (laughs) without suddenly dealing with the whole the whole rocket hip thing and then well in one of the novels we're going to write a story about how the rock nobody could make the rockets anymore uh it's just like boom now you can have that as a story point which you know there's plenty of times in star wars rebels where where chopper needs to use his cannon, and it just makes sense as you Everybody walk across the thin wire from this building to the next. He just flies over. So that BB-8 can do that too, but it's not a rocket. But he can still keep up. Is uh, is definitely an intentional little little thing they put in for future future stories to be told. Because after all, Pete, the future in motion. It is.
1: Yeah. And uh, again, my mind is just spinning with where we're going. We get another Star Wars movie next Christmas, Matt, albeit Rogue One, the the first of the Star Wars stories. The plan uh, is to spin these off now. We have a Han Solo one coming as well. And Rogue One is—they're billing it as Saving Private Ryan. They're—they're they're billing it as Ocean's Eleven in the Star Wars universe. That you've got uh, Felicity Jones in a Star Wars movie, and we're going to get that in a calendar year before we get the sequel to this film in eighteen months. It's—it's uh, it's great. And—and and here's what I'm looking for with uh, the next film. So you're—you're you're left with. Uh, ray and and luke in that just charged with emotion but at the same time mysterious ending and it it's too easy to begin right there so here's here's what i want and uh you know i've not read anything ryan johnson's got out there yet daisy ridley has read the script she's praised it like she's not going to praise it um i think it's awful and i'd like (laughs) out of this contract here, here is the first scene of the next movie, and, and this is just my speculation. You get Kylo Ren brought back to the Supreme Leader, um, scarred now, uh, having suffered this defeat with every feeling that he's going to get chewed out, that he's going to get yelled at that he is instead welcomed back, he's embraced that he passed the test, he killed his father. Now you're going to complete your training and guess what, son, I'll be your father now and then we'll go to the stuff with Ray and Luke and I feel very adamant, Matt, he's going to refuse her at least at first.
0: Hey Pete, maybe even maybe even two or three times. That that has a certain ring to it. It does well pete there's there's certainly plenty of Star Wars ahead uh can't believe that we have to wait a whole other year, but that's uh that's <laughs> that's a lot closer than uh than than the next Star Wars movie has been for a long long time, so I'll certainly take it and uh, my goodness, what a week we'll see what uh what box office records fall in the future and uh Pete, we get to return back to the past uh the Star Wars rebels before you know it.
1: Yeah, uh, second half of their season coming up beginning in January. They have been renewed for a third season. And again, that will fill in the gaps. There's never been more interest in this empire now than now.
0: Well, Pete, speaking of interests and empires, (laughs) you have an empire of your own. And it is your legion of uh, more than 501
1: Twitter followers how many do you have and how can people follow you on the Twitter well you can find the light man I'm not the dark side here I'm, I'm of the light uh you can find me on Twitter at Peter P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-6,824 followers can't be wrong Pete, while I am personally
0: on Twitter, is looking back lost. You can be in touch with the podcast in a whole host of ways. We are a fantastic geek. That is fantastic with a P H. You can find us under that name on the dot com, the Gmail, and the Twitter. But wait, Pete, there's more. The hub of conversation, the new rebel base
1: place, <laughs> resistance, Matt, resistance. Uh, it's all the same. It's just a retread. Wow. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the PH all one word like us today become our friend and uh, you'll be involved in all of the conversation on there and what a, what a place to chew over for the next 18 months all the speculation want to hear your theories of who you think ray's related to who did you hear in the vision there's been some interesting confirmations the past couple days so let's get on there and chew it over together pete facebook is just a retread
0: of my space <laughs> it's all i don't understand the cyclical nature of storytelling okay anyhow pete this has been such great fun to talk about uh, star wars the force awakens today I uh, can't wait to be continuing the adventure on this the pop culture podcast feed as we wrap up jessica jones as we look ahead to agent carter as uh, agents of shield comes back in march uh pete a little bird told me that uh, there might even be a marvel movie in the in the offing sometime in 2016 maybe even two i don't know yeah it's it's a big wide future (laughs) i don't know i also heard that there's other movie studios that make other movies i don't know I I don't know if
1: there are any more, (laughs) man. When you consider, Matt, that if the release schedule holds, we're going to get Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Wars Episode Eight in the same month, okay? Nope. Nope.
0: Nope. Someone's moving that. Nope. 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 You think so? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah? Why?
0: Oh, yeah. Why? Because I think Star Wars is bigger than Guardians of the Galaxy, and somebody's going to sit and go, why are why why are we having Mickey and Goofy fight when we could yeah, have yeah. Mickey and and you know uh, Fast and Furious fight or Mickey? And, why does anybody need to fight? Let's find a <laughs> hole in the schedule where there's going to be like you know uh, the story of a teen girl trying to overcome uh, narcolepsy and let's let's punt Guardians right there and uh, make some bucks.
1: It's tantalizing again to have these discussions,
0: Pete. One last question for you. Do we get the Guardians of the Galaxy Avengers time travel movie to a galaxy far, far away for (laughs) episode 10? Episode 10, colon, the Guardians and Avengers of the Galaxy arrive.
1: No. You're going to get them together in the Infinity Wars, uh, in the second Infinity War if I had to peg it. And uh, unfortunately, the Galaxy from a long time ago that's far far away will not be the one they'll be time traveling back to
0: well that pete that's your final word there or at least you're almost your, your your penultimate word there i will say to all our listeners light speed to endor and give you pete the final
1: word there's been an awakening have you felt it